Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 24 of the Top Dog Talk podcast. I'm your host, Harrison Renault, and this episode of the Top Dog Talk is presented by Richards by Paul. Richards by Paul is an Atlanta-based business which offers a large selection of unique, antique, modernized furniture and jewelry. Thank you, Richards by Paul, for supporting the Top Dog Talk. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 24 of the Top Dog Talk podcast. Yes, I am your host, Harrison Reno, back here again with the first edition of the latest weekly podcast covering Georgia football. And we cover a little Georgia basketball when it's in season, but sadly, we do not have some guests here today. Uh, Our co-hosts will not be able to join us today. It is just me today talking some Georgia football. Obviously, we just wrapped up G-Day just a little less than a week ago, I guess when you listen to this, depending on when you listen to this, it is a week ago from uh, whatever day you're listening to. What a game. Uh, I mean, let's jump right into it. What a game it was for Georgia. Obviously, Team Red coming out over on top of Team Black. Team Red featuring primarily what seems to be the first team offense and Team Black featuring what seems to be the first team defense. Maybe a few names missing here and there. You know, what is the status at the DB room with Jalen Kimber and Amir Speed be the top two cornerbacks over on Team Black? You know, you had Latavius Brini in there at the star kind of position, playing a few reps in there, kind of being the nickel cornerback. You know, that kind of hybrid role. Didn't see too much of Adam Anderson outside of in coverage. You know, I wish we could have saw him a little bit in the pass rush, but I guess, you know, that's kind of keeping your cards close to you, not showing all that you have uh, in your deck for this coming season. But overall, good game. You know, Georgia, Team Red beat Team Black 28-23. Obviously, JT Daniels came out on top. Uh, Pretty decent game for, uh, I would say, all three quarterbacks. You know, JT out there throwing for 324 yards and three touchdowns. Granted, this is a scrimmage. You know, like all scrimmages, you know, this one doesn't count towards their record. You know, this is just a glorified preseason game. Uh, You know, they had two scrimmages behind the scenes, but, you know, no one saw that. So this was the first one in front of a crowd. The fourth Georgia home game, I'm considering it since we only played three home games last year. Thanks, Vanderbilt, for that one. But uh, it was very exciting to see fans back in the stadium, back inside of Sanford Stadium, with everyone's favorite football team on the field, battling out, competing against each other. I thought overall it was a good day for Georgia. Obviously, there are still some points to improve upon. You know, we're not going to be ready for game one. Uh, Luckily, I have not seen too many people on their Twitter timelines or on Facebook saying that we are ready for Clemson. Because to be honest with you, I don't think anyone's ready for their week one football game. No one should be at this point. No football team. Not even Nick Saban in Alabama over there in Tuscaloosa, which is a good thing for Georgia because, you know, we could end up having to face Mr. Nick Saban and those Alabama Crimson Tide either in the playoffs if we get that far or if we get it to the SEC Championship, which I think, a little top dog take right here, I think Georgia will win the SEC East. Um, I, I don't want to put any rat poison on the so-called uh, season. You know, we are only in the spring, but if everything holds still 
and no big injuries happen. I think Georgia should win the East, and I, I project that they will be favorites when it comes time in July when SEC Media Day goes down, and, you know, basically it is what it is. It is what it sounds like. You know, the SEC media, everyone who covers SEC sports will be there, and they will vote on their projected polls for e- both the East and West. I, you know, so far, I, I think Alabama, I think we all think Alabama is going to win the West. I, I think that's the favorite every year is Alabama. Until Nick Saban's not there anymore, they should be the favorite. Uh, and in the East, I think this year it's Georgia. You know, last year was interesting because, you know, not many knew what Georgia had at quarterback. You know, we thought we had Jamie Newman, you know, JT Daniels, who was hurt at the time. You had Dewan Mathis, you know, a former highly touted recruit. You had Stetson Bennett, who no one saw uh, playing at all this past season, but ended up having to come into a key role at quarterback with the opt-out of Jamie Newman. And then you put Dewan Mathis in there, the redshirt freshman who ended up struggling in his first game against Arkansas. You know, I think he saw 16 snaps. Uh, well, no, that's probably wrong, definitely wrong. Uh, you know, just a few drives into the game, pulled out. You know, not not, not typically what you expect on, you know, game one of the new season is for your new starting quarterback to be pulled, you know, very, very quickly into a new season. You know, we saw Stetson Bennett, as we all know, come in there and say it today, leading Georgia to a victory over Arkansas, and then later on would string together wins against Auburn and Tennessee, before it was basically the beginning of the end. You know, Alabama, we had a great first half. I think Stetson played well in that first half, and then things just went downhill from there. Georgia took a halftime lead, and, you know, the usual happened. Alabama came back in the second half and ended up beating Georgia by, I believe, three scores. And that was basically the beginning of the end for Stetson Bennett, and basically gave way to a once, at one time, injured uh, JT Daniels, you know, made himself healthy after the bye week. Uh, after the Florida game, uh, bef- well, before the Florida game, we had that bye week, as we all know. Uh, well, no, actually, excuse me. We had, I think it was after the Florida game, we had that bye week. Uh, you know, they took away that, that, that bye week from us because, you know, Florida had COVID. So, you know, all, all, all of this and that, just it, it was a crazy year last year. And, and I've started beginning the process of kind of forgetting most of it because, you know, it wasn't the season we all thought we were going to have. I think many of us thought Georgia would be in the SEC Championship. I think many of us thought that Georgia was going to retain the SEC East, uh, but we did not end up doing so. Florida, you know, had a really good season. I'll, I'll give them that. And, and you know, I'm, I'm going to throw a little shade at them because it, they are the Florida Gators. You know, a really good season for them and a, a really good season that they will brag about until we beat them in Jacksonville again. They had a four-loss team, guys. A four-loss team. Can you all imagine... Georgia fans bragging to Florida fans about a four-loss team. No, I can't. I, I I know I wouldn't brag about a four-loss football team. Definitely wouldn't. You know, I, I can understand they're excited about beating Georgia, you know, for the first time in, you know, a few years. I think Georgia, you know, Georgia strung three wins in a row together over the Gators. And, you know, we were obviously giving them some hate. We had the SEC East on lock pretty much for those three years, and, and Florida wasn't really much of a – competition those three years obviously 2017 we beat you know the breaks off of them 2018 we beat them again you know 2019 things changed you know we still beat them but it was a lot closer of a game you know that was 2019 you know the Georgia receiving core wasn't at its best obviously a banged up Lawrence Cager a very young George Pickens and Dominic Blaylock you know both were true freshmen back then you know a struggling Matt Landers you know who was inexperienced at the time Kind of getting used to the offense. We had a veteran, Tyler Simmons, who, I mean, to be honest, didn't have the most uh, experience, 
you know, he was the most experienced wideout in that room uh, heading into that season. But to be honest with you, he didn't get much rest because he had guys like, you know, t- Godwin, uh, you know, Miko Hardman, Riley Ridley playing over. So, I mean, he, he wasn't the the most experienced going into that. And, and the little experience he did have did help uh, at, at some point of the season, but he didn't really have the season we all expected. Uh, he had to have his senior year. A little disappointing, but uh, I am glad to see that he is in the NFL and signed a contract with the Steelers this past offseason. Really good to see that. But getting back to G-Day, you know, what y'all are here to talk about, you know, we, t- we talked about it, I believe it was an hour-long episode last week, episode 23 of the Top Dog Talk podcast with Brooks Austin. Really great episode. If you do not listen to it, I recommend you go back and listen to it now because I feel like the first 30 minutes, you know, it's it, it's very fun. Uh, we, we weren't on a little rant for the first 30 minutes. We're really off topic, talking about uh, who the GOAT was, arguing about LeBron James and, and Michael Jordan, you know, Brooks is a full-time, uh, full-time Bronstan. Uh, that is in his Twitter bio at Brooks Austin SI. If you want to go check that out to see my reference, you can, you know, all you want. By all means, go check it out. But don't stop listening to the podcast because we got a great episode to talk about today. It's it, G Day review, guys. I mean, not much to talk about. But like I said, go listen to episode twenty-three of the Top Dog Talk podcast if you haven't. Just so you can get a little kick out of some of the things we're talking about. Because, to be honest with you, me and Brooks were both skeptical as to what Georgia was going to show on tape. You know, this past Saturday in Athens, uh, with Dabo Sweeney and Clemson all sitting on their couches being able to enjoy a little spring football. But let's get into it. You know, obviously Georgia, you know, like like we all said, they don't want to show much. We aren't going to go out there and have Arian Smith and Darnell Washington and, and, and you know, Kyrus Jackson run the most complex, you know, fancy, smancy, you know, window dressing routes that we've all seen. You know, we, we weren't going to do that. We weren't going to throw out the whole playbook for a spring game and try to woe the crowd. You know, by all means, we were not going to do that. By all means, we were going to have JT Daniels, Carson Beck, Stetson Bennett, Brock Vandergriff walk into the huddle and tell them exactly what route they were going to run. Backyard football. They're going to be drawing it up. On their imaginary football or on their hands, they're gonna be drawing up the routes and combinations. You know, that's that's basically what this is. They aren't gonna bring, you know, their complex playbooks into play for the spring. I don't think anyone's done that. And if they have, it was probably a highly unsuccessful season for them when they got into season play. Georgia didn't do that. They kept their cards pretty close to uh, you know themselves, and, and and I think showed some flashes of potential. Obviously, Adoni Mitchell. At the receiver position, the reg- the true freshman, excuse me, seven receptions for 105 yards on touchdown. Really good performance by the young receiver, Donnie Mitchell. I'm going to talk about the receivers first because I think that is one of the questions on all of our minds is, you know, how does Georgia replace George Pickens? It is going to be a question that does not get answered until the regular season. It may not get answered uh, until the season's over. You know, we may have to go back uh, at the end of next season and talk about how Georgia replaced George Pickens and if they replaced George Pickens because to be frank, you know, you look at 2019, go back to a little bit. You know, we, we, we went into that season without Michael Harmon, without, you know, Riley Ridley, you know, without some of our top guys from the year before. We knew we were going to lose Godwin. You know, we didn't really think we were going to lose Riley, uh, Ridley and Hardman. I, I didn't expect that. You didn't think we were going to lose Nada. You know, two unexpected departures from that team. I thought they, you know, should have came back at the time. But, you know, really looking back, I think there's only really, you know, we can throw Elijah Holyfield in there, even though he's a running back. I think he should have came back, you know. But with hindsight, Mikkel Harmon made the right choice, you know. But 
Ridley and Nada, I think both should have came back. I think they would have been well served by coming back for another year in Athens. I think it would have helped us tremendously in 2019 just to have some familiar faces for Jake Fromm on offense. So, you know, we're kind of heading in to a similar, similar territory in 20, uh, 2021. Obviously, going into the going into the spring, we had George Pickens back, Jermaine Burton, Kyrus Jackson. We were getting Dominic Blaylock and Marcus Roseme, Jack Sane off of injury. You know, those five or six guys that I just named right off the top of my head, that's good enough. That's that's a lot of talent in one receiver room. You know, I, I think that's enough talent to go out there and have a championship winning offense. You know, the past few years to win a championship, they've all had either point A borderline historic QB play or point B and maybe it's point a B because some teams have had both borderline historic offensive play in LSU's case they had both in Alabama's I guess you could say they had both I don't know if I would say Mac Jones had a historic season by any means at quarterback you know just considering what Joe Burrow did previously and you know, even Trevor Lawrence to an extent as a true freshman leading Clemson to a national championship was pretty unprecedented um, and, and actually winning it because Jake Fromm the year before ended up leading the dogs to a championship, um, but unsuccessfully, as we all know. But, you know, Georgia's heading into that same territory of do they have the experience and the talent enough at receiver to go out there and win a championship? On paper, yes. I think Jermaine Burton, you know, excluding George Pickens, we have it. Jermaine Burton. You know, you get Mark, Marcus Roseme and Dominic Blaylock off of injury. Those guys are talented, no doubt in my mind. Bring back a guy like Kyrus Jackson in the slot who has a really good route combination, has really good hands, um, was a reliable target at the, beginning of last, uh, at the beginning of last season. I think a favorite target of Stetson Bennett last season, but kind of fell off, um, you know, mid to late season when JT arrived just because uh, the deep ball was there. You know that that is what we were taking. We were we were taking what we were given on offense. That was our approach from Todd Munkin, from game one of JT Daniels to game four of JT Daniels, his last game against Cincinnati. We were taking what we were given, and I think it worked. You know, look at Cincinnati. We didn't have the run game, so JT Daniels just went out there and, and casually threw for 400 yards. You know, South Carolina. We had both the passing game and the running game given to us, but what did we do? We ran the ball pretty well that game and it didn't really have to use JT so you know that's the approach I expect Georgia to take this year I think that's the approach you should take every year to offense you know that's offense made simple take what you were given from game to game definitely I'm not saying don't go into a game without a game plan you definitely need a game plan but if they aren't giving you your you know what you want going to your game plan you need to be able to go off script as an offensive coordinator and as an offensive unit you need to be able to go off script and be successful you know that 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 that's true for quarterbacks, running backs, receivers, and offensive linemen. If something doesn't go to plan, you need to be able to go off script and on the fly and do the best job you can do to the best of your ability. That's what we want to see out of Georgia this year. You know, do take what is given, and I think that's the approach Georgia's going to go with. You got to take what is given. So, getting back to my point. Uh, Tony Mitchell looked good. You know, Demetrius Robinson looked good. You know, a uh, veteran to some point this year. You know, he came back for another season at Georgia. Uh, kind of took that free year. He's going to be a senior this year. Brought in four receptions for 88 yards and a touchdown. Really good performance by Demetrius Robinson. Had a 50-plus yard touchdown, uh, I think, in the final two minutes of that game. Uh, in the final drive of JT Daniels of, of, of the red team offense. Final drive, hit up Demetrius Robinson, 50-plus yard touchdown. 
Really good play by Robinson. Really good pass there by JT Daniels to find the open man. Also, I want to give Demetrius Robinson a shout-out. D-Rob uh, almost brought in a terrific sideline catch. Uh, he did catch it, but he did not get his feet in very, very close. I think he was maybe a blade of grass or, or two away from getting his foot in and making the proverbial catch. Uh, you know, right on the sideline. Really good pass by JT there. Kyrus Jackson was 4 for 50. Four receptions for 50 yards and touchdown. You know, I, I think what, what tells you most about Kyrus Jackson was I think his touchdown play where, you know, Christopher Robinson, uh, I mean, not Christopher Robinson, Christopher Smith by, you know, all means is not a bad guy in coverage. I think Christopher Smith in coverage is probably one of our better safeties when it comes to coverage. I think Lewisine is good in coverage, but, you know, I haven't really seen Lewisine apart from his freshman year man-to-man with, you know, either a slot receiver or a tight end. You know, I, I, I just haven't seen it. Um, not, not to my memory, but I, I think Christopher Smith's that guy for Georgia this year. I think they'll line him up against the slot receivers, you know, the twitchy slot receivers and, you know, some of the bigger athletic tight ends, you know, that was a good play by Kyrus. You know, he had Christopher Smith right on his back, caught the ball and, you know, could have got tackled at the one or two yard line, but ended up fighting for extra yards and getting in the end zone uh, for Georgia and, and really good pass by JT Daniels rolling to his left, hit him on the move. Really good product placement by JT Daniels. And I want to also give a shout out to, I believe it was Zemir White at running back in pass protection, picking up the key, uh, the key edge rusher to open up uh, the JT Daniels rollout for the pass. Really good all around play designed by Georgia and really good all around execution for Georgia. You know, we talked about it last year assignment, alignment, execution. That is what Georgia wants to go out and do every single game. I think every single football team has the goal in mind when they take the field. Really good execution there by the Georgia offense. Also, want to give some shout-outs to, uh, you know, another shout-out to Zimmer White. Obviously, I'm not, you know, I didn't expect going into this to see us run the ball a lot. And I, I don't know how many of us did. I think more people expected us to go out there and throw the ball around, which, you know, at the time, I didn't really see why Georgia would go out and let JT Daniels throw 41 times and throw for 324 yards. I, I just didn't see why they would do that with, you know, Clemson being able to watch. Uh you know, but they did, but you know, they also got James Cook and Zemir White involved, which I was very impressed with. They had 12 receptions combined, you know, uh, Zemir White most notably had six for 50, six receptions for 50 yards, really good day for Zemir White out of the backfield, showed a lot of improvement out of the backfield, making plays with the ball in his hands, you know, not taking a handoff and running for five, 10 yards, but he was catching it out of the backfield. He was taking a pass turning into a catch and, and, and making plays with his feet in his hands. Really like to see that out of Zamir White. Obviously, James Cook doing what he's always done, six receptions for 61 yards. Really good day for both of those guys. I mean, I, I, I'm just impressed with the Georgia backfield. I think Kendall Milton had a really good day for the black team. Uh, he had five receptions for 31 yards receiving, uh, chipped in a few yards on the ground, also had a rushing touchdown uh, for the black team. Really good day all around for the Georgia backfield. You know, kind of pivoting, uh, spitballing all here, all around. You know, talk for about receivers, talked about the quarterbacks for a little bit, talking about the running backs. Now we're you know we're going all over the place because that's basically what G Day was. It was all over the place. You know, you you saw this, you you saw a big shot to Darnell Washington. You saw you know maybe a little screen to uh, Kyrus Jackson or a screen to uh, Zamir White or James Cook. You know. It was just taking you know all over the place on offense and doing different things on defense, trying to neutralize the offense, trying to give them some competition. But uh, you know, 
I was very impressed with G-Day. Obviously, this uh, was the most points scored, combined points scored in a G-Day game for Georgia under Coach Smart. A uh, little little nugget there about the uh, G-Day game and the significance of this. I, I really think Georgia had a really good spring game, you know, and, and obviously, you know, with Clemson being the season opener, we're going to have that online banter, you know, as we head into week one, and I think uh, a good case of that was I saw an article um, or, you know, flying around the Twitter feed talking about uh, a Clemson website saying Georgia was a pretender. Uh, kind of getting all, all off track right here, but, uh, you know, saying Georgia was a pretender and uh, not a contender. You know, that's that's been flying around everywhere. And I, I guess, you know, I, I wish I had uh, the ability to pick that much out of a spring game. You know, a meaningless preseason game. You know, that's basically what it is. It is so meaningless. I wish I had the ability to pick out that much from one game, from one spring game, and say, okay, you're going to be a pretender. I can't do it. I don't know if many can. So, you know, my advice to you is that's going to happen. You know, I would just ignore it. You know, let, let Georgia make that their bulletin board material for the team. Georgia, put it on your bulletin board. Put it on your hype videos this year. Y'all are pretending material. Y'all are pretenders. Not contenders. You are pretenders, as, you know, people say. So, Really interested to see, you know, what that article said. You know, we'll have to catch up back up on that later. Uh, see if they post anything else like that. But getting back to G Day, uh, you know, more performances receiving wise. Obviously, Darnell Washington had a good day out of the tight end room. Four receptions for 84 yards and a touchdown. I thought Darnell Washington played great. Uh, you know, had a really good. I think it was 30, 20 yard pass downfield uh, by Carson Beck, who's playing for the black team. Kind of played back and forth on both teams, switched sides and. Uh, Made a really good catch and coverage, and then trucked a uh, a DB and, and proceeded to sprint down the field and got tackled, I believe, inside the five yard line. Really good athleticism there by Donal Washington, and uh, you know showing his ability outside of being a blocking tight end. You know he was people said he was a shoe in for the starting offensive tackle role. No, he is a shoe in to be a flexed out tight end, being an extra receiver, and that's what Georgia fans want to see. Shout out to Brock Bowers, the true freshman. Three receptions for 37 yards. <clears throat> Excuse me there. I thought Brock Bowers had a really good game uh, for being a true freshman. You know, we've heard his name throughout camp. Just being a guy that was athletic and showing his ability in the air to go make plays. I think Brock Bowers is going to have a really, really good season uh, as a freshman this year. And I think he's going to get involved. I think he's a guy where he can be forgotten about by opposing defenses because you have John Fitzpatrick and Darnell Washington, you know, add in some of our receivers. And if you had Brock Bowers out there, he's going to be the forgotten man. You know, maybe they give him single coverage and they say, all right, you know, don't really worry about him. We're going to go worry about big zero Darnell Washington or, you know, John Fitzpatrick. We're not going to worry about this kid. So I think he could pop up and make some plays. And obviously the fan favorite, Lad McConkey, making plays four receptions, 28 yards. I want to see him get involved this year. I, I really think, you know, everyone's saying he has this really good potential to be a good slot receiver, could play a little bit on the outside. I think he could be ready to play in a, uh, a few games this year. I think he, he definitely deserves some reps in uh, in live games. Uh, I, I think he can make plays out of the slot receiver position. That is a kid to watch going forward. I think he will see some playing time this year uh, with the injuries George has had at receiver. Really excited. I was really excited to see him out there and making plays offensively for Georgia. But touching back on the QB play, obviously JT Daniels, you know, he he's he he was the proclaimed starter by Kirby Smart heading in to spring practice and he's still 
the starting quarterback heading into next season, heading into the season, you know, it was really about who was going to be his backup, his immediate replacement. If anything were to happen to him, who was going to come in the game? Carson Beck had a really strong showing. He was 22 of 31 passing, 236 yards and two touchdowns. I thought he showed a tremendous ability, and, and add Brock into this as well. I thought they both showed tremendous ability to work off script. I really like their mobility in the pocket. I really like JT's mobility in the pocket because I think, you know, with another year um, with that, you know, repaired knee, I think there's a lot of confidence built up on that knee for JT, and, and I think that showed in the spring game. I think we're going to see that throughout next season is that he's going to move around a lot more. He's going to be a lot more mobile in the pocket. But I really like the off script ability of Carson Beck and Brock Vandergriff. I think they bring that ability. You know, Brock, we, we saw some uh, bootleg, you know, play action out of Brock Vandergriff run, throwing on the run with a knee brace. Really impressive there by Brock Vandergriff. We saw a few uh, rushes by him. So, you know, I, I like that aspect to both these quarterbacks. I think Carson and Brock had really good days. But ultimately, you know, we did see four quarterbacks, uh, really five, because Jackson Muschamp got in there. But, you know, sets and met it through a pick, you know. Not really the best of days for him uh, in his limited reps. He did get a pretty good reception to Kyrus Jackson, if I remember correctly. You know, a, a favorite target of his a year, a year ago. But, uh, you know, Carson Beck, I think, uh, won G-Day overall in this position battle. Now, we'll have to see how he does in fall camp, which we will not see, but the George Cogan staff will, um, with a healthy Brock Vandegrift to compete with and, you know, a veteran-type uh, guy like Sesson Bennett with them competing I think Sesson, uh, Carson Beck stole the show a little bit from JT, although JT did throw for 300 yards, 300 plus yards and three touchdowns. I think Carson Beck kind of took away a little spotlight a little bit from JT, and I think uh, you know that, that is good to see um, that our that our backup QBs are getting more of the attention while JT can kind of work you know, away from the spotlight and let the uh, younger guys behind him kind of shine for a little bit. Good performance from the quarterbacks. I'm, I'm, I'm not worried about the quarterback position. I think the future of the quarterback position at Georgia is set. You know, we will have Gunnar Stockton on campus next year, and I don't even want to get into who's going to transfer, who's going to be the odd man out. We're not going to get into that. We can worry about that road when we cross it, but we're not going to worry about that here on the Top Dog Talk podcast. So that brings me to the next point. Let's talk about the defense. Now, you know, we talked about the receivers. We talked about quarterbacks. We talked about the running backs a little bit. You know, and before we go to the defense real quick, I do want to touch on the running backs. A lot of people have said, you know, have asked, who's going to be our starting running back? And how do we manage the backfield? Well, here's my take. We saw three really good running backs last Saturday. We saw Kendall Milton, Zamir White, and James Cook. Out of the three guys, those three guys, I think Kendall Milton had the best day. I, I, I love his physicality as a runner. I really like how he can, you know, bounce off tackles and he still keeps his speed, you know, yards after contact, you know, that is his forte. That is what he, you know, strives at. He can get yards after contact. He does not go down. That's what I love about him. You know, Zamir White, I like his agility. For a guy that's had two ACL surgeries, he looks really agile. You know, he can put his foot in the ground and make you miss. And I also like how he can, you know, he can get some yards after contact. He can take a few tackles. He's very hard to bring down. Um, you know, I want to see him improve on that. I do, I do want to see some more power back type stuff from him, kind of like Nick Chubb did, a, uh, you know, a few years ago. And then James Cook, he's the all-around back for you. He's the receiving back. He's the speed back. You know, get him outside on some outside zone runs. He's going to excel at that. That is what he excels at. So out of those guys, I think Kendall Milton had the best day. But if I had to say who's improved, Probably the most, I would say Zamir. 
just because of what he brought out of the backfield on Saturday. And that's going to be something we have to judge him later on into the season is how does he do outside of the backfield being a receiver. But, you know, really good day for the Georgia running backs. I think all around the offense played well. You know, the offensive line, you know, kind of like Brooks said last week, you can't really judge it. You don't really have the all-22 tape. You know, you're kind of watching the TV film. So, you know, whatever the angle the TV gives you is what you're going to watch. So let's get in. Let's get into the defense. You know, one of the biggest questions, you know, heading into this offseason and heading into the season, you know, still going to be a question. How does that cornerback room look? A lot of inexperience on that cor- in, in, in the DB room. You know, you have a new head coach in Jamel Day. How does that defensive back room come along? Not not really too much to judge from, you know, just because we don't have the All-22, but judging by the fact that, uh, you know, we saw Amir Speed, Kaylee Ringo, and uh, Jalen Kimber all play, I think they, they had a pretty good day. I think uh, Kimber and, and, and uh, Speed showed some potential, you know, with a, with a few bass pass breakups against the uh, first-team offense or the quote-unquote first-team offense. Uh, I don't think the first-team offense is set in stone yet. I think you only have a few positions where... You know, they're kind of locked down. I think JT Daniels has probably the most job security on that offense. Uh, And that's, you know, that's just because he's the quarterback and he had a really good end last season. But not much to judge from the defense. You know, the defense really didn't show much. Obviously, I didn't expect them to. You know, it's not like you're going to go send out Adam Anderson to go speed rush the whole offensive line and try to get after JT Daniels. You know, it's a spring game. You can't even touch the quarterback. You you can only two-hand touch. You know, it's backyard football at that point for the defense. So, you know, not not really much to judge from, and same thing goes for the trenches. You can't see anything without the All-22 tape, as Brooks said. You just, you know, not much to judge. I was impressed with what I saw on tape from Jordan Davis, Devontae White. You know, I really like the stunts they run, a little, you know, a few slants. Getting the big guys mobile and getting them back in the backfield, finding creative ways to get them back there and, and, and finding some matchups. You know, I think the Georgia offense struggled with picking up some of those stunts and slants that the uh, defensive line was putting at them, uh, was was showing them, and I think that's a point of improvement for the Georgia offensive line. Uh, but, I mean, really really good day all around for Georgia. I think defensively, you know, it's young. You know, they're going to come along as we go. We still got fall camp to go through before we even see Clemson, uh, before we can even talk about Clemson. But I really think it was a good all-around day. You know, Lewis Seen made some plays uh, at, at safety, being one of those uh, veteran leaders at safety. You know, had the interception on an underthrown system, Bennett Ball. You know, just what we want to see from Lewis Seen. You know, with the loss of Richard LeCount, we need someone who can come up with the clutch and make plays, you know, in that Georgia, uh, you know, as that center fielder. We need someone who can make plays on the ball, and that's what Lewis Seen did. Really happy with Lewis Seen. I think him and Christopher Smith are going to be a great pairing. We saw it at the end of last year. I think we're going to see it uh, pretty, I hope, all season. I think they're going to make a great pairing in that Georgia secondary. You know, only question is, how do those cornerbacks play out? You know, how does it all play out? I don't remember seeing too many plays from Nyland Green. That's, you know, that's that's something that we got to watch and, and see how he does going forward, but... I, I think Georgia looks really good um, at DB with Tyke Smith coming in in the fall. Georgia does look set to, you know, help adjust to the losses of Eric Stokes, Tyson Campbell, you know, DJ Daniel, a lot of these veteran guys in that Georgia backfield will no longer be there. But overall, the Georgia DBs, from what we saw from the TV cut, they played well. Um, and it's a good starting point for Georgia. Really excited to see how we do heading into the next season, you know, obviously 
We're going to be hearing a lot throughout fall camp. But uh, heading back into a down period where it's probably going to be nothing but recruiting. You know, not much to talk about football-wise because the guys won't be on campus, uh, at least not practicing um, and not really working out. So it's it's going back to a period of seven-on-sevens and, uh, you know, no nothing really coaching related where the coaches are going to be there with them so uh you know we're, we're kind of heading into that dark period of uh you know we just had this the spring game you know the ultimate peak of the, of the off season is is the spring game and now we're heading back into the basically the slump of uh nothing much to talk about other than recruiting you know which is no problem but you know nothing like a little saturday uh football action so very very uh happy with the spring game overall i think ga was a, a success for georgia and you know it just made me more excited for this season uh and what's ahead for georgia i think georgia has the potential if they put all the pieces together uh to make a run at an national championship and we say that every year but well we want to say that every year but you know right now on paper georgia looks to be in the running they just got to put the pieces together you know, in order to win it, you're going to have to win games like Clemson. You're going to have to beat a Florida. You're going to have to beat an Alabama. At some point, for Georgia to win a championship, you have to beat an Alabama. You know, that that's my thing. The championship window for Georgia that they have right now, they have to beat an Alabama to win it. So if you cannot get over the hump in Alabama, you will not win a championship at Georgia. That It's just not going to happen until the day Nick Saban retires. Georgia will not win an national championship without beating the Saban. It just will not happen. Um, so that's that's the thing. we got to beat Alabama at some point, and I think that's the, the focus needs to be on winning every single game in the regular season. Don't even think about the SEC Championship. Don't even think about the playoffs. Just win every single game each week. Take it one in a, one step at a time, 1-0 each, each week, and that will get you to a championship. Really excited for this season, as I just said. If you've been with me for the past 33 minutes, Thank you for joining me today for the Top Dog Talk podcast, episode 24. But before you go, um, before you just before you just click off this, I want you to go to www.topdogblogs.com and check out the latest Top Dog Blogs exclusive with former Georgia linebacker Frank Ross. He was the he was a captain of the 1980 national championship winning Georgia team. Really good guy, really great leader, and a leader in every sense of the word. If you have not checked out yet, go check out that interview. Frank Ross is a Georgia legend, and we are very, very thankful for him spending time with us uh, over the past couple weeks to do the interview. And, I mean, it's a really good article, guys. He has some great quotes. Uh, he's an exceptional leader, you know, and it shows on the field and off the field. He is the definition of a true leader, and it was a pleasure to be able to talk to him and discuss his career at the University of Georgia and a little bit about his career off the field at University of Georgia, enjoying some retirement after, you know, a few years as a top executive at Coca-Cola, you know, a, 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 a company, you know, that is its home in Georgia. So, really good interview. I beg you to go check it out, www.topdogblogs.com. That will be all today for episode 24 of the Top Dog Talk podcast. Thank you again for joining me today on episode 24 of the Top Dog Talk. Make sure to check back with us next Friday at the Top Dog Talk. Yes, we are a weekly podcast now. Weekly. Every single week. We have 22 episodes now in just 22 weeks until Georgia plays Clemson and football is back. Thank you for joining us here today. I am Harrison Reno. 
your host of the Top Dog Talk podcast.